Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. My guest today is Tor Steen. He's the Vice President of Marketing and Business Development at Janrain. Uh, he is um, responsible for mergers and acquisitions, and his expertise is in online marketing and advertising. Uh, prior to Janrain, he was a VP of uh, Business and Corporate Development at Web Trends and a Director of Business Development at Earthlink and an e-business, remember that term, e-business development director for AAA.com. Uh, he has an MBA from Duke University and a BA in political science from the University of Notre Dame. Tor, thank you for joining us. Eric, thanks for having me today. So now in simple, non-technical terms, explain to us the concept of a user management platform for the social web. Certainly. So what it enables is that websites can very quickly and easily allow their website visitors to log in and register on their sites using one of their third-party accounts from places like Facebook, Google, Yahoo, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, up to 16 different identity providers are supported. And it allows them to quickly and easily bring in their user profiles from those social networks, which could include their demographic data, their friends list, their interests, hobbies, any information that's stored at one of those social networks. And it allows the website, specifically the marketer, to very quickly and easily start to build a relationship with that user, know a lot more about them, and therefore personalize that website experience. The, the other par part of it is once they're an engaged user on the website and there's a direct connection back to, let's say, their Facebook identity, when the user takes some form of action on the website, they can then publish that activity back out to their Facebook wall therefore advocating something that occurred on that website back to their friends, thus driving referral traffic from Facebook back to the website. Now you That's it in a nutshell. Got it. Now, you answered this question you know, quickly in, in your last answer, but I'm going to ask it to you again. I'd like you to drill down a little bit more on this. What is the benefit to a marketing, PR, or public affairs professional of you know, letting somebody log in to their website using their Facebook or their Twitter cr credentials? Certainly. So the, the first key benefit is that they learn a lot more about that user. If, you, if we all know as Internet consumers, when we are asked to register, we usually get this long, onerous registration form, and marketers over time have made it such a small form because they want to get somebody into their site that they don't ask for very much information. By letting somebody bring their Facebook profile with them, the marketer learns a lot more about that person as they come into the website. The second piece is, is just as important is that when they publish and share information back out to Facebook, that's a, a key activity to, to enable their users on the website to become advocates, if you will, for what occurred on that website. So now, um, uh, I know you can customize it, but by default, the little widget, the little widget you guys offer gives the option of logging in uh, with Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Yahoo, Google, and OpenID. I know there are others, 
But when you look at which ones most people use to sign in across all the companies that Janrain supports, which one is it? Yeah, so uh, great question. We actually publish these statistics on a quarterly basis, and it's interesting. It shows that Google is the number one preferred identity provider today, uh, followed by Facebook and then Yahoo. Um, I would caveat that, though. It really depends on the type of website. Um, for example, businessjournals.com, right, a very business-oriented uh, website, uh, has a, a predominance of LinkedIn uh, registrations. It makes sense because they're mostly professionals as opposed to some of the entertainment-oriented sites. We support uh, companies like Universal Music Group and sites like Lady Gaga where something like a Facebook identity would be used more commonly. So it really, even though these are aggregate stats, I'd say it, it can be broken down by industry, by geography, by the, the genre of the website. Now, given that uh, you know you're working with so many different APIs um, or so many different uh, hooks into social networks, you know what what social networks are the friendliest with respect to giving you the information about the people signing up? Yes, I'd say that definitely the richest uh, profile and social graph data that a website can receive would be on a Facebook user, and I think that's just also by the nature of what uh, information somebody puts into their Facebook profile. Um, but we've seen over the last two years, since this really took off in 2008, when all of these big social networks and identity providers and email providers basically unlock the ability for users to take their profile, there's been a little bit of a jockeying between the different uh, identity providers to actually expose more and more information to allow their users to transport it. But I'd say Facebook is definitely the richest of all the profiles. We've recently seen LinkedIn, for example, open up more of the information uh, where people can bring in their contacts information with them when they log in. So it's definitely growing uh, in richness. If you're a public relations or a marketing or a public affairs person and you want to see who of those people signing in are most influential, does the social network they use to sign in through say anything about their level of influence? Um, there are ways to get at that information. A quick example would be um, you can actually get information about uh, the user from Facebook on what sites they're on Facebook, what they're a fan of. So that could be an indication of an influencer or an advocate. When the pe person on your website actually publishes back to the networks, that's another uh, key metric that can be used to show who are influencers. As an example, somebody could post, uh, you know, after commenting on an article on the website or reviewing a product back to Facebook. And we're seeing on average a one to nine ratio. For every post that a user puts out, on average there's nine referral clicks back to the website, which is a very cost-effective way to drive not only traffic, but very qualified traffic back to the website. And so being able to track and measure the people that are taking actions on your website, you can very quickly decipher who are the biggest influencers uh, for your products, services, or content. Can I get visibility in the back end about how many Twitter followers they have or how frequently they're retweeted, or in the case of Facebook, uh, how many Facebook uh, friends they have and you know, how frequently they post, anything like that? 
Yes, you can actually, for Facebook, as an example, you get a comprehensive list of their friends, uh, unique identifiers that comes through with them. So that's, I think, a good example of not only are you getting rich data about the user, but now you're actually understanding their social graph. And, um, for example, great opportunity to allow that user to invite their friends. Um, Another good example is Google. You can actually allow a user to bring their address book with them. Um, on one of our customer sites, Mahalo, for example, they right after the, the login process ask the user, would you like to invite your friends? And they show the list, a pick list of their friends that they could invite to the website. So it's a real good example of how, uh, you know, these, these companies are embracing the social web. So now given that Facebook is known for random terms of service changes, how should organizations mitigate the risk of relying on Facebook or any social network for that matter for access to their constituents? Like well, if you build this massive fan base in, in Facebook and Facebook decides to arbitrarily revoke access because of some terms of service violation, you know, how, how can organizations protect themselves against that? Yeah, so I'd say it's twofold. First, obviously, uh, the first step is companies have built their own pages, Facebook pages where they can uh, find people that uh, are becoming fans of their Facebook page. Um, the, the second piece is that when the users do come over to their website and bring their Facebook uh, profile with them, um, the, the website then has the capability to set up a unique profile within their own system. And Facebook has, over time, relaxed some of those restrictions um, to allow websites to, to set up a better profile on the user and not be as dependent, for example, to have to refresh that data every 24 hours with Facebook. We're talking to Tor Steen at JanRain, and when we come back, he's going to tell us how to turn an online e-commerce transaction into a public relations opportunity. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders, or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle. I get the concept of making it easy for web visitors to share content, right? That's that's very straightforward. I basically create good content on my website and your tool makes it easy for visitors who see that content to share it in their Facebook newsfeed or on their Twitter stream. But what other types of online activities might create advocacy opportunities? 
Yeah, let me uh, actually differentiate because we've taken a different tack to sharing. A, a, a couple years ago, that was uh, definitely the big rave was, you know, to, to share an article or a content. When Jan Rain created our social publishing feature, we took the tack that rather than just sharing a static page, what would drive more interest is for users to share activities of ways that they participated in the website. As an example, City Search, which is a customer of Jan Rain's, after the person has written a review about a restaurant, we allow that review to be published or a snippet of that review to be published back to Facebook. And what we found is that tends to drive richer, uh, I guess, engagement with the friends over in Facebook. Interesting. Let, let's talk about, you know, the, the next frontier mobile uh, and talk to us about what type of support Janrain provides, not just for iPhone, but for BlackBerry and Droid as well. Great question. So we took uh, about a year ago, uh, we saw amongst our customer base, which is across news, media, entertainment, uh, technology companies, nonprofits, social communities, we saw a lot of our customers getting more serious about their mobile presence. And so we did uh, two things. We ensured that the Janrain Engage user experience was fully optimized for the mobile browser. That was the first step to obviously ensure that any smartphone could have that better user experience. Number two, we recognized as our companies, as our customers started to develop apps that were specific to the iPhone or specific to the Android, that um, um, we created a uh, SDK, if you will, that plugs directly into our customers' apps and allows for a richer user experience because we need to all be cognizant of there's less less room for a user to obviously type in on one of those uh, mobile devices. So today we've, uh, we've got support for the iPhone and we're publishing uh, the support for uh, the Android next quarter followed by BlackBerry and Pre. Interesting. How come you guys decided to do Droid before BlackBerry? Um, we've seen greater adoption uh, in the market of user engagement uh, to those apps um, versus the BlackBerry apps, especially from a B2C perspective. Now, on the um, uh, when you look at not now, you, you're supporting iPhone now, right? Correct. So when you look across the entire platform of, of, of clients that you guys support. Are there any broader trends with respect to people who sign up from a mobile device? Do they act any differently? Do they do anything differently? We're actually just in the process of starting to aggregate that type of data. So what we have been providing to our customers is, is obviously analytics as it relates to their desktop um, or laptop environment. And we've actually now segmented out the same types of information around how they behave on the iPhone, both from a logging in perspective and what will be even more telling is how much social sharing do they do from within the, the customer's app. We don't have that data yet, Eric, but we will be publishing that next quarter in our quarterly data report. So now if I am a PR or a marketing or a public affairs person and I want to you know, sell this type of an initiative up to the C-suite, how do I determine the ROI of more people registering to my website? Great question. So it's interesting. We, we talk to our customers about the new metrics that, that are in place today that they need to be aware of. And the old metrics were, you know, quantity, 
uh, of site traffic, the time spent on site, and the passive page views. What we're finding in the social web is these new metrics are about quality of site traffic, the interactions that occur on the website, and then actively sharing content. So we've seen a, a real shift in with my background actually at Web Trends, I was pretty familiar with some of those web, web analytics data that our customers were using. We've seen a real shift in how people are measuring um, the, the actions and the traffic within their website. So it's a lot easier for them to develop an ROI metric around that. Um, so one way, one very easy way is to look at what was their registration conversion rates before they launched the ability for a user to log in with a third-party account. And then most of our customers have seen significant increases within the first few months of launching this capability. The second metric that they look at is um, the referral traffic from the social sharing feature. And um, when, obviously, their analytics are in place, they can then decipher for all of those new visitors that come off of a social sharing activity, how many purchased a product, how many viewed content, they can then, whatever their metrics are around the revenue aspect of their site, whether it's a CPM, whether it's a lead that's generated, whether it's a product that's sold, it's very easy to then track the actual impact that those users have had on their ROI. Now, when I go online to janrain.com and I watch that little 90-second demo of Janrain Engage, it's very straightforward. I mean, you get it. You don't have to be a technical person. But then if you hop over to your YouTube page, there are some technical demos of how to set up Janrain that are, you know, unless you're a developer, you're not going to get it. So, I mean, who are your customers? Are you selling to developers or if I'm a marketing person and I want to buy it? Do I need a developer, or can I just buy it from you? It really is. Those are the two key stakeholders, and I'd say it's a two-key system. Um, the marketer, the product manager responsible for the website, uh, the individuals that are uh, measured day in and day out on the, their key objectives around the marketing of the website, they are very interested in what this can do to move the needle, if you will. But it, it does take, actually, uh, somebody within their organization that wears that web development hat, um, it, it is usually not somebody in an IT organization, but more somebody in the web development organization um, rather than the internal IT organization. So we found many of our larger customers obviously have a dedicated web development team specifically for the web marketing activities. Um, it's very easy to get to Janrain Engage solution up and running. So what we find is when we talk to the technical team, they're very excited because they're used to marketing coming to them and asking for the world and expecting to get it overnight. The great thing is when they see how easy Janrain Engage is to deploy, um, they give it a thumbs up and are excited because it takes a huge uh, level of effort off of their shoulders. Now, I know you guys recently released a WordPress um, plugin, right? Correct. Correct. Talk to us about that. I mean, do, do you have, do you, because when I tried to install it, it actually did take me to the code and it looked like it was not a, you know, plug and play solution. Yeah, we've made it as, uh, tried to obscure as much of the development activities as possible. Um, for example, we do have the WordPress as well as a Drupal 
uh, plug-in so that uh, as websites are being built on those open source CMS systems, that it uh, hopefully gives them a little bit easier opportunity uh, to get it up and running. I'd say that other ways that we've tried to make it easy is we've gone out and partnered with other companies that are platform providers. As a good example, KickApps, which is a well-known social networking platform, JanRain Engage is built right into their platform. So any company that signs up for a KickApp social community website automatically gets JanRain Engage. So we found other ways, not just through the CMS systems that our end customers are going to be using, but actually through partners where authentication and social sharing is important to embed our solution into their platform. Tor Steen, Vice President of Marketing and Business Development at JanRain. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.